Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Most people believe that our redemption through Christ was given to bring us salvation, but a deeper revelation of our redemption is that it opens doors of the kingdom of heaven and our access to release the kingdom on earth. Today in our message titled Alive in the Kingdom, we explore this revelation of the kingdom and the impact that it will have on our lives and the world that we've been given to reclaim. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen. This is the Apostle John who walked with Jesus telling the disciples, Beloved, I would, it's my will, it's my desire for you that you would prosper and that you would be in health even as your soul prospers. And the word prosper, we said, means to be equipped for a journey. So he's saying to the people who are listening, I'm praying for you to be fully equipped for the journey that God has your life on and that you would be in health even as your soul prospers. So this passage teaches us a whole lot of things about the kingdom of God that we need to understand. And one of the first things is, is that the kingdom of God starts on the inside and works to the outside. Amen. And see, if you don't get that, you'll be, you'll be chasing a whole lot of things in life. You have to understand, God starts working on the inside to bring forth things on the outside. That's why he said, beloved, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul is prospering. Amen? So our key is get your soul to prosper and then your outside will follow. Amen? Even the world has started to understand this truth. <laughs> The world has started teaching people to try to work on your inside, work on this side, get your, get your thoughts together. They're telling people all these kinds of things. And the psychological aspect of, of the humanity, and again, psychology is the observation of human behavior. Amen. It's not a science that tells you what to do. It just observes your behavior and says, this is the pattern of humanity. Amen. And so when you understand that, they, they are observing behavior. And so what we always see is that a human being is created from the inside. And the Bible says that when God created the, the heavens and the earth, he made man, he formed man from the dust of the ground, but man was not alive until God put something on his inside. Amen. Come on. And when somebody passes away in this life, we see a physical body still there, but we see something's missing. What's missing? The inside. The inside is missing, the soul, the spirit of man is missing, and when that is missing, then life stops, as we understand life. Amen. So what John tell them, he said, brother, I'm praying that you would prosper and you would be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, in the book of, uh, uh, go to the book of, uh, uh, let's start here, yes. Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 16, Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. When you get there, say amen. Y'all fast, because I sure wasn't expecting you to say amen that fast. Amen. <laughs> Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to begin at verse 17. If you're not there, you can look at the screen. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. So what happened here? What happened is Jesus asked the disciples, you guys tell me who I am. Who do you think that I am? 
And so their responses were all over the map. We, you must be Elijah. You must be, they're name, just naming names, just thinking who Jesus is. And Peter says, no, 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 you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And that's easy for us to see now on the other side of this. But in the moment, when you have somebody who's with you and talking to you, it's hard for you to see who they might be in the future. So he gets a revelation. What is a revelation? A revelation is when information becomes alive to you. When common information that you might see or understand, when it starts to become alive. And so for me, I had a revelation about mathematics. Math was just math. And then one day I got a revelation of its application, how it, how it works. And all of a sudden it started falling into place. And so things I was struggling with the day before because I had revelation, I now was able to operate in and use and manipulate and take and do different things with it because I had a revelation. I had an understanding in a deep way that was personal to me. That's a human revelation. And the things that you have done that you have looked at and you say, I don't get it. I don't get it. And you say, ah, I see. What is that? That's a confession of your revelation. You see something, you understand it different. And so there's human revelation, and then there is spiritual revelation. And Jesus tells Peter here, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. In other words, you see something everybody else was looking at and didn't see. But the reason you see it is because the Father revealed it to you. And when the Father revealed it to you, he said, this is a, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you by my Father who's in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. On this rock. So there's two ideas here, but the two ideas obviously together are knit together, but what's the connection to them? And the connection to them is upon this rock. And a lot of people say the rock is Peter, but it's not. The rock is revelation. In other words, on the point of revelation, the point of understanding, receiving deep understanding from God, on that rock is how I'm going to build the church. The church is not going to be built with all kinds of techniques and marketing. That's not how the church is going to be built. The church is going to be built with the Father giving revelation to human beings of who he is, how he works, and what he wants. Amen. And when you get a revelation of God from God, then guess what? Can't nobody take that away from you. Amen. When God reveals himself to you, you're going to have understanding beyond your mind. You're going to have understanding beyond your ability to even perceive or say, I don't even know what this is, but I just know I know. The night I gave my life to Jesus, I caught a revelation. I don't remember a word that was spoken to me. All I remember is God revealing himself to me. And I changed that day. Amen. You have an encounter with God, you will change that day. Amen. And there's some of us who get a gradual revelation. That revelation changes you. Probably y'all was really good and really nice people and you gradually got to know Jesus. But then some of us who are hard-headed got a, here it is. <laughs> Amen. People who didn't want to respond to God. People were resisting uh, Christianity. All of a sudden I had to have an experience in the moment that said, here I am. I'm revealing myself to you. And I said, man, you're the Christ. <laughs> Amen. But with the revelation of the Christ comes the kingdom. <laughs> he said, on this rock, the rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell, Hades, they will not prevail against it. 
In other words, once you get the revelation of Christ, when you, get to, when you, can, you continually have Christ revealed to you, there is something going to happen to you that the gates of hell don't prevail in your life. Come on, y'all. Come on. The more revelation you get of Jesus Christ, the less the gates of hell prevail against your life. Amen. So that's everybody who said, man, the devil was after me. Guess what? Get the revelation and you'll put him behind you. Amen. His gates will not prevail against you. And I want you to notice what it says. It says the gates of hell. It doesn't say the gates of heaven. <laughs> Come on. It means it says the gates of hell. See, I, in my backyard, I have a fence around my backyard. It's my fence. My fence is designed to keep my neighbors on that side. Amen. It's my fence. My fence to protect my stuff. <laughs> Amen. My fence is there to keep you out of my yard. <laughs> Amen. So the gates of hell are designed to keep you out of hell's treasures. <laughs> Come on, y'all. I need y'all to get the revelation. Amen. The gates of hell, we're, try, we're, trying, we're trying to keep the devil out of our yard. No, no. I've been sent to go in his yard. Come on, y'all. Come on. I'm not trying to keep the devil out of my life. I'm going into his life taking stuff. His gates won't prevail against me who am the church. Amen. I know that was bad English, but y'all know what I mean. Amen. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We've been reading it backwards all this time. We've been trying to keep the devil out of our stuff. Oh, come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. I'm telling you what this word says. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, in other words, you got a revelation of who I am from the Father. But now let me give you a revelation about who you are. <laughs> Amen. The Father revealed to you who I am. Now let me tell you who you are. Amen. Come on. The church is not here to fight the devil. The church is here to take the devil's stuff. Come on. The church is not here to wrestle with devils, wrestling. Oh, I'm fighting the devil. I'm fighting. You ain't here to do that. You're here to take stuff from the devil. You're here to claim back what the devil has stolen and claim it for God. Amen. And when you claim it for God, then you get to rule over it. Amen. Come on. Come on. Look again. And I'm going to prove it to you. Look at verse 19. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, gates of hell aren't going to prevail you. But when you take stuff from hell, you got to have somewhere to put it. <laughs> Come on, y'all. If you take stuff from hell, you got to have somewhere to put the stuff. And he said, now I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. What is he saying? He's saying that you need to understand that your journey of prosperity is about you taking stuff the devil has stolen. <laughs> your journey to prosperity is you taking back what the devil has stolen. And as you take it back, you shall prosper even as your soul prospers. And as your soul prospers, are you understanding the right understanding about 
heaven, hell, and you, then you start realizing the gates of hell are coming against me because they know what I am. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I went to work this place and they set and they, and they and they set me and made me they took me out of the office I had in another building. They moved me to a new building and they put my office in the lobby. I don't know if you ever had an office in the lobby of a building. I had a partition office in the lobby. And the person that was sitting next to me, she looked at me one day. I was there for the second day I was there. She said, uh, something happened in this building yesterday. I'm going to figure out what it is. I said, what? I said, what? what? I said, what? And I'm already agitated because I'm in the lobby. It's like, what? what, you, what? Yeah, I know what, I know what happened to me yesterday, but what, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, something's spiritually off in this building. I said, hmm. Something spiritually off in the building, huh? And I just got here yesterday. Yeah, something's off with your spirit in the building because I feel all right. Amen? <laughs> I found out she was practicing witchcraft. So yeah, something was off in the building. Because you know what God did? I'm mad because God moved me. But I don't realize God's moving me because he was sending me to take the gates. Amen? He put me in position to take the gates. And I was mad about having to be inconvenienced, and I forgot I'm on assignment. I forgot my life is on assignment from God, and God is putting me somewhere in order for me to have a kingdom impact where I went. Amen. And so I had to go there and get my mind right and understand, wait a minute. Oh, that's all right. Okay, that's right. I am here to storm the gates of hell. I'm here to break through these gates. Amen. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against me because I am the church. And God worked a work and I broke up that little, I broke up that little thing. Amen. Because it wasn't just her, it was some more of them in there. Amen. Amen. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And some of y'all might be spooked out right now. So I don't want to I don't want to fight no devils. You don't have to fight devils. You have authority over demons. You have to learn how to take authority over spiritual wickedness in high places. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to go to verse 11. Ephesians 6 and 11. When you get there, say amen. It says, put on the whole armor of God, then you may be able to stand against the wiles, which means trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, your warfare is not with people. Your warfare is against spiritual forces. What are those spiritual forces? Those forces are the forces that guard the gates of hell. So what's behind the gates of hell? See, what's behind the gates of hell is a treasure that God has intended to claim back from the foundation of the world. And one day somebody came to the gate and pulled you from behind the gate. See, what's behind the gates of hell right now in the earth is the souls of people who don't know God. 
the souls of those who don't yet know God, they are on the other side of that gate and they need to be brought forth. And God has given us the power, the church, the power to enter through the gates of hell and pull out things. And those things are people. God did not call us just to have a nice life. God called us to have a purpose and a mission. And Jesus told them, I want you to get the revelation of who you are. You are the ones that are able to penetrate the gates of hell. Go through those gates and pull things out of those gates, which is the people who need to know God. And we're too busy trying to get people to come to God when you got to go get people out of hell. All right, come on, come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. It helps when they want to come out. <laughs> Amen. It helps when they want to come out. Sometimes they in, they think they're having a good time. I was one of those. I was in there. You know what? I wasn't close to the gate. Some people are near the gate. They're trying to look over the fence. I wasn't. I was looking in. Because I was deceived. I was deceived in the thinking the world worked a certain way. And I had to pursue these things that made the world work a certain way. And that if I was going to be successful in life, I was going to have to be what the world said I was going to be. And I had to have the things the world said I had to have. And I had to fit into the shape the world said I had to fit into. And so because I was taught those things, that's what I pursued. And I was going away from the gate. I was moving deeper into darkness rather than coming toward light. And we have a generation of people right now who are being taught that darkness is light. We have a generation of people right now that are being deceived into thinking total darkness is light. And they pursue darkness because they've been trained and taught that darkness is where happiness is. And if you run to the darkness, you find happiness. But when you run to the darkness, all you find is more darkness. A young man I was talking to at the place I work, I was talking to him one day and he was sharing with me how he came to the Lord. And he told, told me how he, was, he had gotten into some uh, things through some music he was pursuing. And he was uh, in his music and he was really doing things. And he said the more he was doing his music, that he said the hole just kept getting deeper. He said the more I was going, the further I went, the deeper the hole got. He said then I realized I'm not, I'm not and I, I, now I don't like the music I'm doing. I don't like where I am. I don't like what's going on. But there's enough stuff around me to make me comfortable being where I am. Just enough. Just enough to keep you satisfied. Just enough to make it too inconvenient to go the other way. Just enough. And that's what the enemy does to people. He shrouds them in darkness and pulls them in just far enough that there's still promise of hope that they might get what they came for, but there's no truth to it. Amen. Amen. All of us know that's true. Amen. Amen. Because some of us been there. Amen. Where you, you, know, you know life ain't right, but it's too hard to go get it fixed. Amen. Amen. It's like, it's like driving a raggedy car. It's running. It ain't costing me nothing. So I'm driving it, right. I know what it is. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I know, I know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
Listen close. It says here we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Those principalities and powers are holding lives of people who we love and people who we need to pursue. We've been given the power to break through gates of hell so that the, the Hades, the gates of hell, cannot prevail against us, the church. But it requires you to have a revelation of who you are in order to approach those gates. Amen. See, if you know who you are, if you understand, you catch the revelation of Jesus saying, listen, who do you say I am? Now, let me tell you who you are. It's an exchange between Christ and Peter. And so then when Peter got it, Peter overstepped his boundaries. Then he thought he was really somebody. And so when Jesus said, I got to go to the cross, he said, no, no, you ain't going to the cross. And Jesus said, wait a minute, get behind me, Satan. Now, I gave you a piece of revelation about yourself. Now, you went too far. Amen. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. Go, uh, go back to John. Remember last week we were talking in John chapter 5? And I want you to see Jesus doing something here that fits what, we're, what I'm trying to explain to you here. I'm explaining to you that the fact that, that our journey has purpose. Our journey has a purpose that God has given us the power to change lives. Our, our life, no matter who you are, no matter what your life is like, God has given you the power to make a difference and a change. And in John chapter 5, we see the man who's sitting at the, uh, the pool of Bethesda trying to get healed. And we see this man uh, uh, sitting there, uh, um, wondering how he's ever going to get healed. He's in Hades, figuratively. John chapter 5, verse 2 says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Beth Bethesda. We know Bethesda means house of mercy. So there's this pool referred to as the house of mercy. So everybody's going to the house of mercy trying to get something, but everybody's not getting anything because in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Listen, everybody in the town is walking past this pool, but here are all these people who need help, not getting help. <laughs> Amen. All these people who need help have all gathered into one place. And they're all there, the blind, the lame, all there, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. And what is the moving of the water? The moving of the water in the next verse says, now there was an angel who went down at a certain time to the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. So all these sick people around, but there's one guy here who's been sick for 38 years. 38 years. Y'all know how long 38 years is? 38 years is a long time. Amen. A whole lot happens in 38 years. I'll put it to you this way. At this time, Jesus is 31 years old. The man was sick before Jesus was even born. Come on. This man was sick for 38 years before Jesus was even born. This man was sick with this infirmity all this time. And he's right here trying to get healed. Look at the next verse. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Do you desire to be made well? 
Do you want to be made well? And we talked to you before, this statement is so loaded because it's not asking you, do you want to be healed? It says, do you want to be made well? And then the answer of the man doesn't answer either issue. He says, sir, I have nobody. Amen. We'll pause right there. Sir, I have no one. See, this is a statement of, of, um, that fails to take ownership. This is a statement that said, I would be able to get better if someone would. If I had somebody who could. But this is what's so powerful about what Jesus taught his disciples about the kingdom. The kingdom starts with revelation on the inside and not what happens on the outside. Amen. The kingdom starts with what happens on the inside of you, not what's happening on the outside of you. Because what happened is, is that when this man tells Jesus, Jesus, I don't have anybody put me in the water. Look what Jesus says. Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you what somebody else is going to do. I'm going to tell you a decision you're going to have to make from the inside. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. What did Jesus do? Jesus told him, I'm going to give you a revelation. I'm going to tell you, you can walk. I'm going to give you a revelation. I'm going to speak to you and I'm going to let you know you're a good, you can rise, take up your bed and walk. But it's going to be your decision right now, whether you hear my words, whether you receive my words as revelation, do you get it? And when the words hit him, the words hit him in such a way he believed it enough to get up. <laughs> Amen. He believed the word enough to rise up. He picked up his bed and walked out of there without ever getting, quote, the water of healing. Come on, man. Come on. What is this speaking to us? He said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. In other words, it's not going to be what other people do for you that changes your life. Amen. It's going to be what God does on the inside of you and how you begin to operate in the revelation that God gives you. When God reveals something to you, you have to take action immediately. Amen. When God speaks to you, you've got to, just, you've got to activate what God says. Because if you activate what God says, God will then follow with the actions. And other people will say, wow, how did that happen? I obeyed God. <laughs> Amen. I obeyed God. Look, go to... Uh, I want to do this. I want to do this. Romans 14. Go to Romans 14. Romans chapter 14. I'm going to pull these pieces together for you because I want you to kind of understand this here. The power of God is, is, is transforming us by revelation, by we understanding his word and acting on his word. So we understand the cycle of spiritual maturity, right? We all know about the cycle. We've talked about that. We have it in your, in your new members' books, the cycle of spiritual maturity. It always begins with common information that has to, at some point, become a revelation to you. It has to become something where it's God-inspired. It is God's Word speaking to you. It is God talking personally to you. That when you read the Bible, it's not just God said this, but God's talking to you. How does that happen? It happens when we begin to 
study to show ourselves approved. We get into the word or we start talking about the word. We start entering into a dialogue about the word. And then all of a sudden, God starts speaking to us supernaturally, not to your mind, but to your spirit and your soul, because your soul is where your prosperity has to begin. Amen. So your soul prospers as a result of you taking the word to heart. And when the word becomes flesh, it means it is manifested or it's coming forth in your life. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 14. Go to verse, uh, go to verse 16. It says, therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. In other words, when you're doing good things, don't let what you do good end up becoming spoken of evil. In other words, when you're trying to put what you do onto other people. Amen. Next verse. Four, because the kingdom of God is not food and drink. Now he compares food and drink with what? They are the essentials of human life. If you don't have food and drink, you don't have nothing. Amen. If you don't have some food and you don't have some water, then that, that's, nothing else matters. Amen? He said that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is not even the essentials of the physical life. That is not what the kingdom is. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, you want to know what the kingdom is? The kingdom has nothing to do with the flesh and blood. The kingdom has to do with what's going on inside of your spirit. And when you understand that, that is the revelation that God then works everything else in your life through. As long as we as Christians put the physical first, we're going to miss God because God's trying to use what's inside first. That's why later on John says, beloved, I'm praying, I'm praying for you that you would prosper and be in health even as? It's the inner man prospers. As the inner man prospers, then everything else outside of you starts to starts to work. When we're battling in sickness and disease, it's not what comes out of you. It's not what's outside of you. It's what's in you that's going to bring forth healing. Amen. Amen. It's what's in you. If you have an injury or something else and you're dealing with it, it is what's in you, the Spirit of God, that is able to quicken your mortal body, make you alive, and let you operate even when sickness or disease is trying to debilitate you or hold you down. What's inside of you will cause you to walk through that, out of that, and move in ways that you ain't supposed to be able to move. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Trying to feed you some meat here. Come on. When you understand, when you catch the revelation, when you understand who you are, when you understand that God has made you kings and priests on the inside of your spirit, when you understand those things, it will change how you live on the outside of your body. Amen. We understand that we don't have to struggle with sin because the inside of us is dying to sin. Amen. It's bait. It's lure. It's hold. It dies from the inside out. Amen. You get free inside before you get free outside. Amen. Amen. We talked about our four areas of prosperity. Number one was how you relate to God. Number two is how you interact and how you have blessings with people around you. That's the second area of your prosperity. Your third area of prosperity is your gifts and talents. And the fourth area is being made well. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Wholeness is your fourth area of prosperity. But wholeness doesn't begin on the outside. Wholeness begins on the inside. 
Wholeness begins when God on the inside starts to radiate out of you and your wellness starts to happen because your mind gets renewed, your spirit gets alive, and you begin to physically do things what you need to be able to do. It is being made whole. Amen. Hallelujah. Go back to Matthew 6. Go back to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Let's go back there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Matthew 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Your salvation brings you the keys to heaven. And so as a natural person, you might say to yourself, okay, well, that's great, but I have natural things I need help with. I need, I, I'm trying to make a living for my family. I'm trying to do this for, for life. I'm, tr I'm trying to do things naturally. Well, this is important to understand what he's saying here because he says, when, you give you, when I give you these keys, I'm giving you the ability to move not just heaven, but earth. Because your soul prospering is going to make something happen outside of you, which means that first, your soul represents the place where God is, which is heaven, which brings forth things in earth. In other words, you, you have to be able to use the keys on the inside of you before they will unlock things outside of you. Amen. In other words, everything in creation was created spirit first, then physical. So God existed outside of the world and God said, let there be light. God formed the world. There was chaos. There was nothing there. Where was God if the world wasn't here? <laughs> Amen. Come on. Where was God if the world was not here? He was outside of the world. He was in the spirit. And he made a physical world. God was in the spirit and made a physical world, which means the spirit comes first. Then comes the natural. But then he said, hey, I've created man in my own image. I blew the breath of life in him. Man has spirit. He's living in a physical body. He's in this world. And now as we're restored in Christ, what are we doing? We're going back to what God originally intended. In other words, I'm going to give you spiritual power to create in the spirit to bring forth things in the natural. Amen. So the problems you're trying to solve with natural means, you can't solve them with natural means because you weren't created to do that. He said, I'm giving you keys, but I need you to get the revelation of who you are, that you are a spirit being first. Flesh and blood can't teach you this. <laughs> Flesh and blood can't reveal it to you, but my father who's in heaven, my father's got to reveal to you how you operate in a new way. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Father will have to reveal that to you. Amen. <laughs> I realize the Father will have to reveal that to you. Amen. As I'm saying it, I have to realize it. The Father will have to reveal what I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
Verse 19 again, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Heaven and earth will respond in tandem when you recognize how to use the keys that you've been given. Amen. Amen. See, you may be used to using old school keys, right? You got your keys to your car. You got your jingling keys in your car and you go into your car trying to use your jingling keys and you go to try to put it in a new vehicle and realize your key doesn't have a place to go. <laughs> There's a new technology around. Amen. You have to have your key in your pocket and push the button. What? I never heard. Yes, that's new revelation. A change of technology. Amen. God's changing your technology. Amen. You've been still trying to do physical stuff to get physical results. And God said, no, I changed the car. <laughs> Amen. Your keys don't work. Your old keys don't work anymore. You got a new kind of key. Your new key is the key to the kingdom. Amen. It's a new key. And your key just needs to be on you. <laughs> Amen. In you. And the car will respond to you. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Amen. Your old key, you had to put it in. You had to turn it. You had to do all this other stuff. And if you didn't have, you have your keys in your hands, you couldn't do anything. But now your key just needs to be on you. And if you touch the car, it works. <laughs> Amen. Y'all understand that natural picture. Amen. The spiritual picture is the same. You got a new set of keys for the kingdom of heaven. And when you touch stuff or speak to stuff, it works. And I don't know how the technology works. I don't understand how the technology works, but it works. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm going to go outside. My car is locked. I'm going to touch my car and the whole car is going to unlock. Amen. I don't need to know how it works. I just need to know I must have my key and it's going to work. Amen. Your key to the kingdom is revelation. You got to get the revelation from God. And when you get the revelation, everything you touch is going to work. Come on, everything you touch from God is going to work when you get the revelation. When you get a hold of that in your heart, your mind, you're going to start seeing things happen like, man, I can't believe that happened. Yes, it happened. Why? Because it works. <laughs> Amen. And you need the stuff to work because you got gates you need to go through. <laughs> Amen. See, this isn't the season to say, I have keys and I'm not using them. This is the season to use your keys to bring everything that you need from the kingdom into your life so that you are fully equipped to do what God's called you to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Go to now. Now we're ready. Now go to Romans chapter 14. Amen. I think you're all ready for this. Romans chapter 14. Hallelujah. We're going to go back there. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink. Remember, we, read, we just read in Matthew. Matthew said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And the keys to the kingdom is not about having access to food and drink. It's about having access to the kingdom, which is, we see in the rest of this, but... What is the kingdom? Righteousness. And what? Peace. And what? Joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is not meat and drink. It's not physical stuff. It's righteousness, peace.
peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What are those three things? Righteousness is the ability to have no condemnation in your life whatsoever. <laughs> Righteousness is your ability to have absolutely no condemnation because you're in Christ and you are cleansed of all unrighteousness. It's the ability to stand before God, ask of him, talk to him, and get responses from God. To not be afraid of the presence of God, not be afraid of heaven, not be afraid of the goodness that is in him. It's not be afraid of that. It's being able to stand in right standing before the Lord. The second thing is peace. The peace of God that goes past all understanding to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That that is part of the kingdom. It's part of the kingdom. Peace should be a regular thing that every Christian experiences. If a Christian is not experiencing Peace is because we're stepped out of the kingdom. Because the kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If a Christian is suffering and they're not experiencing peace, then the way to get the peace back is to receive peace the way we receive salvation. By faith. Amen. Amen. Because why? Because you got keys to the kingdom. If I tell you, go by my house. Stan, meet me at the house. Take my keys. If Stan is at my, when I get to my house, if Stan is sitting outside my house and not in the house, it means Stan didn't use the keys. <laughs> Amen. If I give you the keys and tell you you have access and you don't take access, it's not because I didn't give you access, it's because you haven't taken it. Amen. Come on, y'all. Come on. Go to Matthew 11. I'm, I'm going to work you here. Amen. Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verse 12. Matthew 11, verse 12. Matthew 11, verse 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and what? The violent will take it by force. In other words, he's saying, listen. He said, there's coming a season where God is allowing people to take the kingdom. In other words, we wait. sometimes we're praying, waiting for God to do things. And we should wait on the Lord, but waiting on the Lord is actually sitting in his presence. It's actually not waiting for him to do stuff. To wait on the Lord means that we, go and we, we say, I'm shutting everything else down, and I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to sit in his presence, and whatever he speaks, I'm going to do. Like a waiter in a restaurant comes and waits on my table. The waiter waiting at my table is not just doing nothing. Amen. He's not waiting for me. He's coming to me and saying, do you know, can I take your drink order? Can I take your food order? I'll be right back with that. Do you need anything else? The waiter is there in service. To wait on the Lord means to be in service to the Lord, not sitting there, good Lord, when are you going to do something? Lord, when are you going to move on my behalf? That's not waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord means that we are saying to the Lord, Lord, whatever you need, I'm here. I'm available. I'm going to wait on you. 
I'm going to wait on you, Lord. That's what waiting on the Lord is. So when we see here in Matthew 11, it says the violent will take it by force. It is saying that if you want the kingdom, it is yours to take. It's yours to receive. The kingdom of heaven is not a mystery anymore. It's now revealed. It's open. It's revelation. It's now for you to receive and take the kingdom. And then when you take the kingdom, then you get all the benefits of the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These are accessible by keys to the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom is the revelation to sit and let God speak to you and give you understanding of who he is and how he wants to work in your life and how he wants to move on your behalf. Amen. Amen. I want to take you to this last thing here. I want to take you to this last thing. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. See, the man that sat by the water was waiting for someone to do something for him. He was waiting for something to change in his life. And then Jesus comes and says, you don't have to wait. Rise up. You don't have to wait anymore. Jesus is here. You don't have to wait anymore. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Because the kingdom is here. And you've now been handed the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is going to be loose in heaven. It's now in your hands to bind or to loose, to rise or to fall. It's given to you. Amen. It's handed to you to now have authority and take the ability to do things. And when you do it from the inside, when you start with righteousness, we start with peace and you start with joy, then other things start to change on the outside. I had a man who was working for me, was very extremely disgruntled, extremely disgruntled man. He was always angry about everything. And one day, um, one day I was, uh, you know, I have a list and I pray for the people that work for me. And so I was praying for this man one day. And so the Lord told me to speak, say something to him. And me and Pastor James, uh, you guys met uh, Pastor James Williams. And so me and Pastor James worked in the same place. And so I was praying for this man. And uh, one day I had a meeting with him. I sat there and I just told him, I said, um, I said, this may sound funny. I said, but I've been praying for you. And he said, well, what are you praying for me for? What's wrong with me? Why are you praying for me? I said, no, no, it's not like that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you because I have a, I, I'm praying for everybody in the office. But while I was praying for you, particularly, and I gave him what the word I had for him was. I gave him the word. And he sat in his chair. He said, well, you know I don't believe in all that stuff. I said, I know, but I'm just, I just want you to let you know I'm praying for you. And I felt led to tell you that. And so a couple, couple weeks later, he said, hey, come here. I went to his office. He said, I want, I want, to, uh, want to tell you something. He said, uh, he said, you know, you told me this other stuff. He said, I, and I don't, I don't really believe in all that stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. Me and my wife, we've been in the process of getting a divorce. He said, and my wife called me one day and she told me, she said, uh, I don't want to fight with you anymore. And she just, we just settled right there. So we just settled. We've been fighting about stuff. We just settled. I said, oh, okay. He said, now I don't want you to think it's because of your prayers for me. <laughs> but I just thought you should know. <laughs> I said, okay, all right. 
And so then he was, he was, he called me one day. He said, hey, I want to tell you something. He showed me a picture of his grandkids. He said, he showed me his grandkids. He said, you know, my, my daughter, after, after we got divorced, my daughter's not talking to me. And so, you know, you mind saying a prayer for me? I said, okay. I said, yeah, I'll pray for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so I prayed for him. A couple weeks later, he came. He said, he said, hey, he said, now here's a picture of me and my grandkids. My daughter brought my grandkids by. And uh, so what's happening? What's happening? The gates of hell, I'm entering the gates of hell, and I'm taking authority because I have keys to kingdom. I know that I can pray, and I can call things that be not as though they were, and I can bring them to, I can bring them to pass because God has given me the power, because ultimately God's desire is to bring that man's soul out of the gates of hell and into the kingdom of light. Amen? So now, said I don't want you again the first time first time he said I don't want y'all to think I don't want you to think that I believe in prayer but I'm gonna tell you this the second time is can you pray for me right right and so then it became when he asked me again I said hey you know I mean? I'm gonna tell you something I said I'm gonna do better than this I'm gonna teach you how to pray what happened the gates of hell were set in somebody's life God says, son, I'm giving you keys to the kingdom. I'm going to give you the keys to bring righteousness, peace, and joy into the earth. And so I didn't need to bring it to me because I got it. So I used my keys for him. I used the keys. I opened the gates of hell, and I started saying, come on, come on out. Come on out. Come on out. And I didn't tell him, come on out because you're going to hell. He's already in there. Come on, come out, come out. You can come out of the gate. Come on, come on. There's life out here. There's joy out here. There's peace out here. There's right standing. There's righteousness out here. There's no condemnation out here. Out here, if you come out here, and I open the gate for him. And he came through the gate. He came through the gate. Why? Because he didn't want to be in there. Once he saw it was light out here. But if you keep, if you go to the gate, and you start crying, spitting condemnation from the edge of the gate. And you don't, you don't tell people, you know what, there's a kingdom out here of righteousness, peace, and joy. But if you stand in the gate and you begin condemning and you begin throwing out how horrible they are and how dirty they are and what this and what that, if you're doing that, then they just said, I'm already in darkness. I don't need to come to your darkness. <laughs> well, I don't want to come to your darkness just to move darkness around. Come on. The kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when we recognize we have righteousness, peace, and joy, and we start to catch that revelation about it, and we start to move in it and live in it, we're going to open the doors of darkness to let other people come through. Have people walk out of darkness. Walk out of darkness. Amen. I'm not going to go to James. We're, gonna, we're not going to do that. Amen. Last thing. Last thing here. You got keys. Amen. You got keys. And your keys have to do with how you receive the kingdom first. How you accept and receive the kingdom. How do you, do, how do you start to just begin the confession and the declaration of who you are? See, when Jesus talked to Peter, he said, who do you think I am? It wasn't until Peter spoke with his mouth who Jesus was that Jesus confirmed, God showed you that. 
And because God showed you that, let me show you you. You are Peter. On this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. I want you to understand God's building the church on you. If you were the rock, the only rock God was going to build the church on, how would you live? And guess what? There's no pressure. This is what I love. This is what I love about this. I love the fact that Jesus never put pressure on his disciples besides them obeying the word. Jesus never, never gave them unrealistic expectations. You know, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do it. He didn't give them a whole bunch of rules to follow. He just said, follow me as, and I'll make you fishers of men. Just follow me. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to follow me. If you follow me, I'll make you fishers. Now, along the way, I'm going to teach you about the kingdom. I'm going to show you about the kingdom. I'm going to show you how the kingdom works, and I'm going to show you how easy it is. I'm going to give you the, king, the keys of the kingdom, and then I'm going to let you take whatever it is for a drive. Later on, in, later on in the book of Luke, he says, now that I've given you the keys, he said, now I'm going to send you out two by two before my face. Now I want you to go out, heal the sick, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely give. <laughs> Amen. They went out and they came back. They said, Master, the demons trembled in our name. We were able to cast out demons. We were able to heal the sick. We are so excited. He said, don't get excited about that. Be excited that you're in the kingdom. In other words, that's not a big deal. When you're in the kingdom, that's supposed to happen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But it all begins with turning our mindset around from not believing that we're fighting against this devil who's got us under his foot and starting to recognize, no, we've been sent to his gate to go inside. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word of God today. Lord, I thank you. Bring upon every person in the room an understanding of who they are in Christ. Lord, let the word of God dwell in them richly with all understanding, Lord. And thank you as the word moves in our hearts and moves in our minds. Thank you that it brings transformation to us and causes us to live kingdom lives. I thank you. The kingdom life is a whole life. The kingdom life is a life that has access to all things. I thank you that the kingdom life makes us complete and gives us all things that we need that pertain to life and to godliness. So we thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, for your people here today, that your people are receiving the word, that the revelation will be acted upon today, that Lord, by your spirit, we will begin right now to make a declaration and confession, Lord, that I have righteousness, I have peace, and I have joy in the Holy Spirit. And because I have these things, Lord, I thank you that I go to the gates of hell, and I begin calling forth people out of the gates of hell. I thank you that I've been empowered and strengthened, Lord, to bring light into dark places. And I thank you, Lord, I don't bring it by condemnation, but I bring it by the Holy Spirit of God and the grace and the mercy that's in you. So, Lord, I thank you and give you praise for you doing supernatural work in the mighty and precious holy name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless him. Amen. Hallelujah. Saints, we have a mighty work to do, and we're going to do it because God knows our name. Amen. Because he knows our name. Thank you for listening to today's message titled Alive in the Kingdom, which is message 22 of our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can find uh, more information about our live stream service, and it's broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. 
Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Also on our page, you're going to find information about how to join us live for a service any Sunday morning. And once again, our services begin in the city of Vallejo, California at 10 a.m. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.